Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Number seven in the world, Xander Shoffley. See the way the water's reacting from the wind. Shoffley, not even close. That was, uh, that was a challenge. Probably the, the toughest I've ever played that hole in a tournament or even in a regular round of golf. You know, Saturday there last year with a seven iron from 140 yards, uh, trying to fly it just right so it doesn't fly through the wind or it doesn't get caught by the wind too much. It was, it was a challenge. Billy Horschel there commenting on 17 at Sawgrass. Players' championship underway this morning. We'll get some thoughts on that from Mr. Brian Koziel, host of T to Green. Tell you all about T to Green this week as well. Also, a little bit of a Sabres preview. Brian, good morning. Gentlemen, good morning. So the the Stars and the Rangers and, Brian, that, that game the other night against the Islanders, I mean, I don't, I don't think the, the balloon is deflated, but, man, it, uh, it lost some air after they lost to the Islanders in terms of them making the playoffs. They're very much alive, but they really can't afford to – back-to-back losses this week they really have kind of got to get things in order yeah it was a it was a super big swing I mean obviously if the Sabres somehow figure out a way to win that in regulation instead of the Islanders we're having a much different discussion right now uh you know I, I think you know that game that night like it was probably the most I guess amped up I was about a regular season game all year or maybe at least the most amped up about a, a road game this year you know there's been some anticipated home games, I think, being down at the arena this year. Uh, but for other reasons, you know, whether it was Ryan Miller night or some of the other nights where there's kind of been some emotional tie-ins and things like that. But in terms of just the straight meaning in the standings, that was probably as big as it was. And it started off pretty well. The Sabres had a couple of leads. And, you know, to be honest, the entire night I'm sitting there thinking Pittsburgh's losing 3 nothing. Pittsburgh's losing 4 nothing. Like, okay, everything's going well here. Um, and then how the game changed and how the Islanders kind of, in you know, second period, third period, really started to take over the game. And then, of course, how the game-winning goal ends up going in so controversially. And uh, in, in my opinion, I still disagree with just how the ruling went, but nevertheless, it's how it went. And then, you know, while all that's going on, Pittsburgh somehow is coming back and winning in overtime. And, of course, it's Crosby and – the NHL is not giving you any explanation about the 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 kick-in goal, or at least enough to my liking. And you know, at the end of the night, I'm sitting here saying, like, oh man, like just one of those annoying nights where I'm mad at the league, I'm mad at Crosby, I'm mad that the Sabers ended up, you know, blowing a huge opportunity in the standings. And um, I I look back and now say 
it was fun to be invested because that hasn't happened in a long time with this team in terms of a night like that, even though it was a night where you end up disappointed at the end of it. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're still in it. I mean, the games in hand factor is definitely going down a little. Um, but the Islanders are definitely a team you can still end up catching. The Penguins are a team you can still end up catching. And uh, there's just a lot more traffic than maybe there could have been had the Sabres ended up winning the other night. I think one thing about this, Brian, when you get a team like this, you know, what are you supposed to be upset about or what do they need to do better? They kind of just need to get hot. They're scoring the last two games. You know, they lose to Edmonton and the Islanders. They only put up two goals in each of those games. They kind of need to rediscover that hot shooting percentage and match that with goaltender efforts like Lukanen gave you the other night. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, the Edmonton game, I really had almost nothing to complain about other than maybe that piece that you said, that ability to maybe finish a play. They had plenty of opportunities, plenty of shots. Stuart Skinner, of course, played one of the best games of his season, unfortunately, at the bad timing for the Sabres. Um, you know, even McDavid, I know he scores twice, but three shots, I mean, you know, obviously a huge impact on the game, but uh, the Sabres had an opportunity to win it. If you would have said at the start of the night, hey, Edmonton's going to score three, like I would have signed up for that in a second uh, just because of what Edmonton's offense is capable of. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, the offense clearly is the reason where this team is this year. Um it has to kind of regain that form. I agree with you. Like you, you have to go into every game thinking we've got to get to four. Like that's, that, that is Don Granado has been talking about it. You know, like this league's not a three, two league anymore. It's a four, three league. And I, you know, in terms of the game score and uh, they've got to get themselves back into getting their offense going. Uh, I think, you know, those couple of games when you didn't have Darlene, I think that was a piece that it struggled. Uh, one, one of the games they did do well offensively. Alex Tuck's the spark plug on this team. I know Jack Quinn's filling in well, but it does have a trickle-down effect, the fact that he's not out there, and then, you know, that obviously takes Quinn off of another line. I've been impressed with Quinn filling in, but not having Alex Tuck, he's been one of their best offensive players, so I don't want to minimize that loss having him out there. But if this team's going to get hot, as you said, it's going to come from scoring goals, so they've got to get that mojo back going. Brian Koziel on the Western Hotline. Who should we be rooting for tonight, the Islanders or the Penguins in the out-of-town matchup? Mm. I, I mean, at this point, who's the easier team to catch? I guess it's the Islanders, right, because of the games in hand. So you also have another head-to-head with the Islanders that you don't with Pittsburgh. So you're trying to catch the, the Islanders. So maybe you're saying, okay, go ahead. You know, in all these matchups where Pittsburgh maybe plays the Islanders, the Panthers, the Senators, you'd be rooting for Pittsburgh in that case. I also maybe have a little bit more faith in maybe Pittsburgh figuring it out here down the stretch. So I'll say root for the Penguins and, of course, make sure it ends in regulation. Brian Koziel, also here to talk a little bit of golf. So it's the Players' Championship this week, Brian, at TBC Sawgrass. You guys are out for tee to green once again. Um, you know, it's funny, like the, the PGA Tour has made a lot of headlines this season with elevated events. And this is one that was an elevated event before the elevated events existed, right? Like everybody cared about this one, often mentioned as the fifth major, a course that is a repeat on the tour every single year, an iconic hole or two. So sawgrass, like it's, it's, um, it's long been kind of the opening of golf season, at least for me. I would agree. And I think what you mentioned there is the reason that this tournament, one of the reasons that this tournament, I think, does elevate itself amongst any of the others is the fact that we know the course. The finishing three holes are as good as any 
uh, on the PGA Tour and as recognizable as anybody anybody on the PGA Tour. Um, it sets up for such a dramatic finish. It's great television. Uh, there's water involved in all three holes. I mean, let's face it, part of golf that we like is the aesthetics, too. The 16, 17, and 18 are really, really beautiful-looking holes. Uh, 16 is a par 5. You can go for it in two. There's water to the right and behind it, so that risk-reward factor is there that we all love with golf. 17, of course, one of the most iconic known course or holes in the whole you know, world, the, the 17th Island Green. And then 18, a tough par 4 with water down the left. So I, I think that piece of it is there. It's similar to Augusta National. Everybody kind of knows what the back nine looks like. Everybody knows, like, this is the hole you got to make birdie on. This is a tough hole. Hey, you can't go here on this hole. I feel like at least with the finishing portion at Sawgrass, people know that really well. And, you know, who doesn't want to talk about 17? I mean, even if you're just a casual golfer to think about, hey, what would I hit here? The hole usually plays, like, between, like, 135 and, like, 150. You know, Jeremy, I know you've been fortunate to play it. Like, I mean, everybody that has played golf ever has probably thought about that green. Or maybe you've gotten to kind of a semi-island green at a course you've played somewhere, and I'm sure the discussion of sawgrass comes up. But, you know, just that pressure, sometimes the wind, figuring it out when these pros are probably hitting like a pitching wedge into that island green. I mean, it, it's, it really makes for great television. It also has the potential for guys putting off the green into water, this course. Yes. So another story from when I was there six years ago, whenever it was. There are a couple holes where you stand on the green, and the green ends, and there's maybe a foot of fringe, if that, and then it drops 10 feet into a pond or like a lake. And I asked the caddy, our four caddy there, how many times do people, while they're lining up a putt, accidentally back up and fall into this pond? And his answer was once a week. Once a week, a person falls off of the green and into water. And I don't know, Brian, I guess depending on like pin placements and how fast they get the greens, I don't really remember them making this course the hardest course they can. It's not like U.S. Open conditions. It's not like they're out here trying to make everybody look bad. Um, but you never know. And, you know, it's it's a beautiful course. It's 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 set up for some interesting shots, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I think the wind is usually what will play a factor in these, in these holes. Because the yardage, because of the water, and as you said, there's so little room for error that the wind can be the difference between, you know, two yards. And, you know, we know these pros are good enough sometimes. That's the difference between them maybe hitting it right where they want it or being wet uh, with the ball maybe rolling back into the water. So I think that's a piece that has it is that there is very little room for error uh, on a course like this where there is so much water involved. But, um, you know, I, I think when you talk about this week, you know, they – what the tour has done with these elevated events, you mentioned that this one's already been elevated for many, many, many years. The fact that now they've increased the purse again, the winner's going to get $4.5 yeah. million. The stat, I mean, the stat on that is that impressive. the winner will yeah. get more money than Tiger won in his first two years. Wow. Like combined. Yeah. Combined, yeah. Yeah, the money has gone up so much. Yeah, right. I mean, for a purse to have $25 million and the winner to get $4.5 million, I mean, this is definitely... You know, you're, you're, this is not even a major, too, but the Players' Championship, you know, for the PGA Tour, because the PGA Tour doesn't host the Masters, it doesn't host the U.S. Open. This is their premier event. So they're they're all in on this event, and, you know, I'm sure uh, players are going to be drooling over the fact that they'd have a chance to win that pot. 
Rory Rory is the betting favorite to win. And I was winning, reading a piece yesterday about the, about him that his putting is like way off this year. Like yeah. he was, se- I think it was ten to twenty feet. He was second on the tour last year, and this year he's like outside the, the top one fifty. Is is it just is it coincidence? Like is it just putting in that in that you know range, or is he is he not to form at the start of the year? Because he is again, he's the betting favorite for this weekend. Yeah, and remember last week, he, what, he finished second, right? So, I mean, his game's right. there. Um, I did see that stat, Joe. I think you're right. I think it was like 20 or second and then like 186. 182nd, yeah. 182nd, yeah. I saw that stat yesterday, too. Yeah, his putting has been really bad. And, you know, I think that's been probably a big layer with McElroy's career is that there has been um, times where he's had a chance to win big-time tournaments, including majors, and his putter has been the reason that it hasn't gotten done. Uh, when he's driving the ball well, and he is right now, he, I think, is the best player in the world. But his putter can sometimes, you know, on those medium-length to short-length putts, give him issues. And I would even say the same about Jordan Spieth. Spieth's a guy that's been erratic off the tee these last few years. Last week was driving the ball amazing. And then if you watch the coverage last week of the final holes, he probably missed five putts that were, you know, 10 to 12 feet and less. He could have been a winner last week, too. But for me, McElroy still just like because of how he's emerged, it's kind of the face of the PGA Tour with their fight against Liv over the last course of the year, gaining popularity, I think, quite a bit that way. I mean, he was a popular player to start with before this all started, but I think it really has risen to the top where he's turned into kind of a true leader amongst those players. And beyond the fact that, you know, he's not even American, I think, He's about as well liked as any foreign athlete could be, maybe you know, in in, in sports from a United States perspective, uh, that guys really want to root for him to do well. Uh, yeah, if he's putting well this week, there's no reason why he can't win. He's played well at this event before too, so uh, I definitely would give him consideration if he's put, if he ends up putting well. You're you're right about him too. That the little further down in that piece I'm reading from Justin Ray, he the putting has struggled, but he's gaining 2.2 strokes tee to green per round, which is far and away the best of any player on tour this year. And I, I've got the odds open, too, that I reference he's the favorite. It's like three guys and then a big gap. It's McElroy, it's Scotty Scheffler, and it's John Rahm. And I know there's a lot of other guys that are in contention, but does that feel right? Is there kind of a big three right now in golf and then there's a, a bit of a gap? I think that's fair. I think those those three, I mean, you've got the defending FedEx Cup champion in McElroy. You've got world number one in John Rahm, and then last year's player of the year, Scotty Scheffler. Like, I think, I think that fits right. Those three, any week that they end up deciding to play, I think they have to be a tournament favorite. The fact that they're all three playing, and that's what I think is good about these elevated events. You're, in all these events, all three of them are essentially going to play every single time. So uh, beyond the fact that you've had some other good stories this year, like I think Max Homa's a player. If you don't know much about him, maybe if, you know, if you're not – as much of a hardcore golf fan, if you haven't watched a lot of golf this year, but maybe you will watch this week. Max Homa's a player that's had a really, really good season. He's won twice already. I, I think he's a very good follow on social media. He's one of these players, too, that is a very, very good interview, very insightful, very thought-provoking when he speaks and does interviews. Uh, he's been, you know, you know, if you said, like, who's in the next tier after those three, I think there definitely is a jump. Uh, you know, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, the established players, but guys that have had good seasons that are playing well that have a chance to win this week, uh, I would put Homa in that group. Uh, Victor Hovland is a guy that plays tough golf courses well. 
He grew up in Norway, played in tough conditions. He's always said that the tougher the conditions, he thinks it's a benefit to him. Ooh, he's used that's, to playing in those that's conditions. That's right up Joe's alley. Joe likes the challenge of a windy day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, last <laughs> week. Yeah, the the, uh, the winds at Delaware Park, pretty similar to the winds <laughs> that's in, right. or in Norway, right? <laughs> Brian, where are you guys this week for Tita Green? We are at Diamond Hawk in Cheektowaga. So uh, we'll be nice. looking forward to going there, getting some information about what's new and exciting for them here in 2023. And then, of course, we'll have a ton on the Players' Championship, too. So uh, 7 to 8 Saturday on WGR. And how do we feel about treadmills at golf simulators as an idea? I I know Brian's going to be on board with this, like the idea. Mm, I don't know. I saw this last year. I mean, multitasking at a simulator is probably a good idea. There's a lot of standing around. So Mm -hmm. I could see maybe that could be something, Jeremy. There's a new outlet for you to open up a side business like that. There you go. There you go. Brian's on board. Thanks, Brian. Okay, guys, thanks. Brian Koziel. We'll get a break in. I put up a Twitter poll, and it's going to tell you everything you need to know about the Bills offseason and where fans are. Everything you've ever needed just, to know. Just the poll like just, the poll results? Just the results early. Hmm. About Schefter's report on Edmonds and Poyer. We'll get to that and follow it up with Sal coming up top of the hour. Some football for you about what to do this offseason, and does the loss of Edmonds and Poyer change it? Adam Schefter reports the Bills are expected to lose both. The poll... Your thoughts, your calls, 803-0550 on WTR. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.